It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time for the opening, the opening drive. So, Dan, we'll get to a lot of the categories we typically get to break down Justin Fields' game and everything else. Let's start with the injury report because Kyler Gordon designated for return, which is big. Also, equally big for the offense, Khalil Herbert is going to be out for a while because of a high ankle sprain. The saw him get twisted into a pretzel by a bad throw by Justin Fields, and now it looks like Darrington Evans has been poached off the Dolphins practice squad and Deontay Foreman might play a larger role because of other injuries. Roshan Johnson in concussion protocol. Let's uh, <laughs> look at those two situations. Um, offensive uh, backfield, defensive backfield, both affected. Which one you want to start with? Because I think Defense. they're both notable. And on, on the defensive backfield, the Bears have been optimistic since Kyler Gordon went down with a hand injury that his recovery would be right on the timeline that they needed it to be on. Uh, you, you get through the, the four weeks on IR, you're, you're designated now to return from IR, which gives you a 21-day window to actually be uh, activated to 53-man roster. That should come this week. It, it seems to be pointing in the direction of Kyler Gordon being able to practice, being able to play, being able to be back in that secondary uh, at a time when they, they could really use him. Uh, at the same time, you would expect Jalen Johnson now with a little extra time to heal up uh, from his injury that he suffered in Kansas City to, to be back and ready to go. I mean, look, like this there's an irony to all this because Jalen Johnson forever has wanted to have his battle against Justin Jefferson with the Vikings for myriad reasons a year ago he didn't get it because he was hurt well now he's going to come back from his injury and there's a possibility that Justin Jefferson will be out with his own hamstring issue but certainly the Bears would be uh, on the right side of that equation for once if that is the case um, but both those guys being back in the mix and then a potential return of Eddie Jackson would would get what was a very very strong unit in the secondary close to as whole as they're going to be uh, from this point going forward I think that Kyler Gordon the expectation would be that He's been keeping in shape that he, the transition wouldn't be that much to ask, I, I suppose. And I don't know if it's realistic, Dan. I'm just trying to think out loud because when you see Tevin Jenkins return to action as he did successfully Thursday night, pressed into more extended action because of the injury to Lucas Patrick. And you yeah. remember that it had been since mid-August, since uh, his last contact. I don't think that I, – I guess I don't know. Are the Bears going to apply the same kind of logic to – Kyler Gordon thinking, well, you know what? It's been long enough. He's been without football. Let's just throw him back in there to play football. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you can acclimate quickly, if your conditioning is where it needs to be, if you can just get yourself uh, back on steady ground, which Kyler Gordon should be able to do so, it's uh, it's an opportunity. Um Jenkins is a, a whole different story because I think what, what we're looking for there is longevity, you know, and a very impressive return on Thursday night. The ability to give the Bears 37 snaps in that victory in Washington was was very beneficial, particularly, as you mentioned, when they had to reshuffle things when Lucas Patrick went out. Uh, but now you want to see, can Tevin Jenkins make it to November without any sort of injury setback? That's another one right there. So in the offensive backfield, Khalil Herbert's absence, he was on a – uh, he, coming, he had a really good game rushing the football yeah. against the Commanders, and he was a guy that uh, had emerged as as RB one, if you will. And Deontay Foreman had been inactive, and then 
the backup to Herbert, Rashawn Johnson, the rookie, is in for concussion protocol. How do you see those two affecting the depth chart and when are those guys maybe coming back? Yeah, and, and Travis Homer beat up as well, Travis which Homer, which then right. forced you to go out uh, and get a guy that you're familiar with. Darrington Evans, who was with his team a year ago, was hanging out on the, the Dolphins practice squad, now gets a return to Ellis Hall. He spoke with the media on Monday at uh, in Lake Forest, so good to have him back in the building. But you're just reshuffling there. Now, the good news is that that was one of the positions coming into the season that you felt really good about the depth there. And so when you have a guy like Deontay Foreman, who's clearly going to be fresh after being a healthy scratch the last few weeks and and has proven productivity, uh, particularly last year when, when, when he took over for, for Christian McCaffrey after the trade in Carolina, um, you've got a guy there that's established and he's a proven playmaker in this league and, and can give you something there where you don't feel as scrambly as you often do when you get hit with a wave of injuries. Now you just kind of got to reshuffle, uh, figure out when Roshan Johnson's going to get cleared from concussion protocol, figure out what your special teams needs are and, and make some decisions from there. So how do you see it affecting Foreman? How, how do you think that uh, the bears will go into uh, the Vikings in terms of a depth chart? Yeah. And well, I think some of that depends on what Roshan's able to give them, you know, and if he does get the green light, you know, I, I would, I would figure that it would be uh, Roshan and, and Deontay in a, a work share, the way that they've been, been doing things. One more thing on Khalil Herbert, you mentioned um, that injury and, and it was, you know, I didn't notice this until my rewatch that a better pass actually turns that into a touchdown from Justin Fields. If he gets out in front of him, it was actually a good instinctive decision by Justin to keep his eyes up and make the throw. And then he just throws a little awkwardly and Khalil bent in a, in a, a Gumby like position that when, when we watched the replays in the press box at FedEx field, I was punching. And now as you mentioned, he should be out for a, a, a few weeks with what's a, 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 a tough setback given the way he was running the ball. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Is Gumby like hyphenated? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, Gumby hyphenated. Okay, I just want to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, overall, though, in terms of uh, Herbert, did it surprise you how effective he? I, I guess my expectations going into the season were that, um, you know, he eventually was going to get and beat, get beaten out by Roshan Johnson. That didn't really happen. Maybe that was on the way to happening. But I thought that he had been maybe better than expected. What did you think of him before he left? Well, look, the game against the Broncos was truly impressive, and it gave you that that element that you really want when you're trying to form an identity like the Bears' offense is, which is just establish the run and be able to lean on it. He, on the second drive on Thursday night, broke off his longest run of the game, which was a, just a great burst through a nice hole. You know, and when you're able to create holes for Khalil Herbert, he's got the the chance to be a playmaker in that regard. And then one of the, the plays that I starred on my uh, notebook during my rewatch was the, the last possession of the first half. It's a third and seven, and they opted to kind of play – 
safe and conservative and give the ball to Khalil Herbert on a, on a third and seven play. And he, he picked up the first down and much more and kept churning with, with the help of some good blocking from uh, Cody White here and Nate Davis. And the, like, that's, that's it, right? They like, when you see those things, you're like, that's winning football right there when you can lean on a bunch of different things. And, and that will be missed in the short term. And hopefully Khalil Herbert's return isn't, isn't too far off. One more running back thought before we move on to the next question about you know, the injury report. Um, how do you answer people who point out that the Bears have an injury and depth concerns at the running back position? Meanwhile, comma, up in Detroit, David Montgomery enjoyed a 100-yard game as part of one of the best teams in the NFC and looks faster than ever. Well, the Lions have dedicated themselves to David Montgomery here in the early seasons. Look, the Bears didn't turn their back on David Montgomery. The Bears offered David Montgomery a contract in free agency. It's my understanding that it was very – much in line with what he got from Detroit. The value of being a free agent is you can choose where to go. And David Montgomery chose that he wanted a fresh start. He wanted to uh, get some some new opportunity and some new scenery. And to his credit, he's making the most of it there for Jared Goff and Dan Campbell in Detroit. The Lions, man, they, that looks like a legitimate operation right now. The Bears will see them uh, next month. Uh, and David Montgomery is is a very big part of, of how that team continues to churn out victories in an impressive fashion. I think that's a good answer. That's the right answer. It's a fair one. I do understand, too, though, that at the end of the year, if he has 1,000 yards and we're evaluating the pros and cons of Ryan Poles as we look to the big picture offseason again uh, after another losing Bears year, then David Montgomery is going to fall under the ca- the con category because he let him walk out the door and wasn't able to retain him. And that's a talent at a position that, while it's not a premium position, still a very important one in Chicago and around the league. That's fair. I, I, I would just say that the Bears, I think, were comfortable with what they were able to do on the whole at that position, the depth they were able to add. Now, look, like if Deontay Foreman does not give you what you want you know, in Khalil Herbert's absence, if Roshan Johnson doesn't give you what you want in Khalil Herbert's absence, then those questions are, are are very legitimate and very justified. But I think that that's one of the few positions that I didn't lose a lot of sleep over in the offseason or, or even at the start of the season, because I thought that they gave themselves an opportunity with some fortified depth there to, to withstand some setbacks. And here we're going to get a test of that. And I didn't mind because I thought they were going to draft B. John Robinson. (laughs) They might have too, right? Like we never know if they would have. So last injury point, uh, Doug Kramer is eligible to come off the injured list. Lucas Patrick gets banged up. Any connection there? And what do you expect to happen with Doug Kramer? Well, yeah, certainly when he's designated to return and you see uh, Lucas Patrick hurt again, this has been a trend since he became a Chicago Bear. He has also been one of those guys who hasn't been able to stay healthy. You want to have some some depth at center. If this means that you're going to push Cody Whitehair back into the position that we thought he was going to be in uh, back in the spring and summer, then so be it. Uh, he's got to work on a couple of those shotgun snaps and make sure that he doesn't shoot him high and away from his quarterback. Um, but look, like, yeah, Doug Kramer's return gives you depth on the offensive line. Um, we'll see how quickly the Bears are able to get him back on the 53 and then whether there's a corresponding move in, in that regard with, with Lucas Patrick. All right, the other big issue I think that was addressed on Monday at Hallis Hall, it continues to be one that kind of confuses me a little bit. It, it, I understand why Matt Eberflus might consider going outside the organization to bring in somebody as a defensive analyst or defensive consultant, um, or even if they wanted to, have somebody call defensive signals, which he apparently is against. What I don't, what I don't quite get at this point is the public nature of the courting or the thought process, because it only 
it only makes you feel like they're more indecisive than they should be when they take this long to decide something this relatively minor. I wonder where you, what you, what you think about it and what you can add to what you heard on Monday from Matt Eberflus. No, good question. And confusion is kind of a Monday staple at Hallis Hall during my time on the beat. And it's certainly been that way um, this year. I think some of it is just in the way that you message it and the way you talk about it. And Matt Eberflus now uh, multiple times in the last you know, a couple of weeks has hinted at the idea that there's going to be a new addition um, to the coaching staff. He makes it seem imminent. And then, you know, in the next breath says, if that's the direction we choose to go, it sounds like they've had uh, contact with, with several candidates for a senior defensive analyst role, which would help take some work off Matt's plate. Obviously in the wake of Alan Williams's sudden resignation last month, you're trying to find someone else to, to, to share some workload. And Matt's words on Monday were that this person would be primarily responsible for doing advanced scouting on the next opponent and being a week ahead and being able to provide the book on that opponent in a way that, that helps their coaching staff hit the ground running when it comes time to prepare for that given week. Who is that person? We know it's not Rod Marinelli. He said that even though his uh, longtime friend and mentor uh, has been in touch repeatedly throughout the season, that he's very comfortable in retirement and is going to stay there. Um, I was told that, that former Bears uh, cornerback and former uh, longtime coach in the NFL, Leslie Frazier, is not interested in that position at this time. Um, so who is it? When is it coming? Uh, what exactly will happen when they do it? Matt Eberflus couldn't even say today whether it would be a position that would be based out of Hallis Hall or remotely. Um, there's a lot of gray ambiguity floating around this thing, but I read the room today in, in uh, to, to say that there is going to be some sort of announcement here in the near future that they have added someone to their defensive staff. If they don't, I don't know why they've brought it up so many times. All right. Let me ask you three names. You tell me if it's a yes, no, get out of town. <laughs> um, all right. The, the, the speculation, Gary Pinkle, uh, the coach that gave Matt Eberflus his start in coaching. He's 71 years old, I believe. And he's been out of football for many years, probably since 2016, I think. What do you think about Gary Pinkle? I know uh, Mizzou alum Brad Biggs would be very, very excited about the possibility of Gary Pinkle joining that role. So I'll veto that just to, to make Brad a little upset. Okay, but that does seem a little far-fetched, even though it would be on brand, because it would be somebody that Matt Eberflus trusts, respects, and yeah, wouldn't necessarily well, have to move to Lake Forest to get this done. I think, you know, when you hear their criteria of wanting somebody with, with you know, significant NFL experience, that would be one thing to, to keep an eye on. Um, they also, this would be a pro side, but like they want uh, familiarity with the Bears system, you know, and so that, that would be something that, that you'd have to sort through as well. Lovey Smith. I doubt. I, love, no, get out of town with that. There's no way. Okay. That, I that mean, would... it's been suggested. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a messenger. The, 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 the messenger just is scurrying out of town quickly, but I think that, you know, you shoot him away, but still, I, Lovey Smith is a name that has come up. It just feels too awkward to me to, to, to the return in that capacity and, and to, to kind of, you know, Lovey's too big of a figure in this town to just kind of sit quietly in the, the background as a oh, I senior totally, defensive analyst. I totally agree. It's a terrible idea. But <laughs> this It's a terrible idea. I mean, we have romanticized the tenure of Lovey Smith to the point where if he would come back in that role, we would need trumpets and a coronation because of the way that we have built up what he accomplished at Hallis Hall as the head coach. They're, those were the halcyon days compared to the last decade. So, I think that, yes, you could not bring somebody in 
with questions about the head coach, the current head coach's viability and experience level. And then, oh, this defensive assistant, you know, meet the guy that you're compared to. <laughs> the last guy who went to the Super Bowl here. Yeah. Yes. No, no question. terrible idea. Get out of town. All I right. Good. Glad, All glad right. we agree. Mike Singletary. I don't remember if we mentioned this on the podcast or not, but he was in the building recently and, uh, you know, has connections to both Matty Refluce and Kevin Warren. Uh, I'm not sure what his current interest level in something like that would be. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn my nose up at it in that particular role. Um, you know, like, I think like you, you have a very specific defined role here in terms of what Matty Refluce laid out on Monday. I, I, I wouldn't, I'd be okay with that. And the last name is only because we talked to him about it and he said he was not interested, but he didn't say it really with a lot of conviction, to be honest with you, because he's a friend of mine, Dave Wanstead. It uh, doesn't sound like he's interested. <laughs> it doesn't, does it? But it, it, it might be something that he reconsiders and maybe that's why there's hemming and hawing because, you know. You have to give up the lucrative uh, media deals that he has. I would love it if he didn't and he did both <laughs> jobs. Could you imagine that? Yeah. That would yeah. be fascinating to have Dave Wanstead in the studio on Tuesday morning on his way to Hallows <laughs> Hall to break down some tape. And then, by the way, text me on the way home, Dave, because we want to know what you watched and what you think of it. That would be terrific from a media standpoint. Yeah, no question. And maybe you could give us some clarity on some of the injury situations as well. But it would be something like that, right, Dan? I mean, somebody who has been in the business, somebody who – and I don't even know – I don't even know if, it, if it's necessary. Here's what I – here's my take on this whole thing. I don't know why there's been a conclusion reached by the head coach or the organization. There's nobody on his staff that's qualified or worthy of a promotion or the extra job. I I just think it's more a manpower issue where you just, you like you lost a defensive coordinator, you know what I mean? And there's just, there's a lot of workload that comes with that role. And now the head coach is assuming a lot of that. And then it spreads him a little bit thin while he's trying to juggle different things. It's just a a manpower issue. I'll give you an example. Back in the day when we were actually, uh, teammates at the Chicago Tribune, you remember how big the staff was, the things we were capable of with a big staff. Well, now we're not that big anymore. And so there's things that I would love to do that I can't do because we don't have the bodies to do it. So sometimes adding a body helps the productivity of all the bodies that are already there. So I thought that analogy would probably hit you uh, directly uh, in, in familiar areas. I, I'm just going to ignore the analogy to the head coach there. I'm not even going to touch that one. Uh, the 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 I, I won't even get into what that means about what what. Never mind. You're coaching. <laughs> you're 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 the, you're the primetime player. I'm, I'm just sure. an assistant. I'm just yeah, an assistant. Okay. Here. All right.